We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. This is Budweiser's weekday sports beat. It is brought to you by Budweiser, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Baseball fans, this Bud's for you. Tim Growl, State Farm Insurance. You need life insurance today. Tomorrow will be too late. Protect your family by calling Tim at 232-9981. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. And Bowlers Country Club hosting their annual corn and sausage roast this Saturday. Everyone is invited to join the fun at Bowlers Country Club on South Bend's west side. Jimmy Rosari, Vince D'Addario, in for Sean the uh, the rest of the week. We are joined right now by the one and only Brian Driscoll from IrishBreakdown.com. Brian, how are you? I am doing great. Thanks for having me on. Excellent. Excellent. Got... Uh, your previews as far as positions go, the uh, the wide receivers are up, and you seem optimistic. Why is that? <laughs> well, I just, at the end of the day, I'm a big believer in talent, and I think usually talent tends to win the day. And, and when I look at that group, I see a group that's got talent. Uh, you know, And the other thing, too, Jim, you know, we've seen in football over the years that you can have talent, but if your talent's like two or three guys, mm-hmm. one of those guys gets hurt, one of those guys doesn't play to his potential, all of a sudden you're not very good. Right. The other thing I like about this group is its depth of talent. You know, it's like if Kevin Austin's not ready to play, they're not they're not in trouble. I mean, they're not completely done. They've got other talented players. If Brayden Lindsay gets hurt again, they've got other talented players that they can turn to. Some don't have the experience of the older guys, but I just feel like in college football – when you have you know eight nine receivers the way that Notre Dame does and guys that I grade out as really top level players you know not Will Fuller top level players but just really good football players mm-hmm. you have a good chance to be effective and I think then when you look at the complementary pieces around them or actually they are the complementary pieces to talented players like Kyron Williams and Michael Mayer and and Chris Tyree they don't have to be Michael Floyd or Will Fuller or Chase Claypool. And I think the other part to it, Jim, is I love the complementary skill set they have to each other. You know, Kevin Austin is what he is, and he's not like Braden Lindsay, who's not like Lawrence Keyes, who's not like 
uh, Avery Dave. I mean, there's there's some carryover at spots, but there's also some really unique skills that those guys bring to the table. You know, Braden Lindsey's an explosive guy that can, you know, he's got what a 70-yard touchdown pass on a post route. He's got a 51-yard touchdown on a reverse. He's got a 61-yard touchdown on a jet sweep, and he's got a 25-yard <laughs> touchdown on a screen. He can not score exactly. a lot of different ways. <laughs> not you know? exactly chop liver there, right? <laughs> right, and and then you look at a guy like Kevin Austin who brings some size and and physicality to the table. Plus, he's got some speed, but. You know, you also have guys like Xavier Watts, who's a bit of an after-the-catch guy. Lawrence Keyes has just really precise route-running ability. So there's just all – Avery Davis is a savvy football player that just knows how to get open. You know, shocker that a quarterback is a really high IQ – a former quarterback is a really high IQ football player, right? It's just that unique skill set, and then you look at the freshman class, and it's just like reloading. And and that's why I'm, I'm excited about what this group can be. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So Brian, I you know I, you know I coach baseball, so I'm putting this one on a tee for you. Uh, <laughs> Thanks. We're gonna you no problem. We're, we're gonna we're gonna fast forward two months from right now, okay? So we're we're looking at the end of September, you know, beginning of October. Which wide receiver are people gonna be talking about? Do you think that maybe they weren't anticipating talking about uh, going into the season? Right, so that takes Kevin Austin and Braden Lindsay off the table, right? Because right. they yes. get talked about a lot. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it, there's two guys. Uh, two weeks ago, Vince, I would have said Xavier Watts, but you know, obviously you and I talk about him all the time on our podcast, but he wasn't getting a lot of attention. But it's getting more now with the interview that I did with Coach Reese where he talked a lot about Xavier Watts. I think a guy for me that I would go to, Vince, is Lawrence Keyes. I think Lawrence Keyes is a very underrated, underappreciated guy that, that the the one time he got an opportunity to step up and play, he made big plays. He had a really cl- clutch third down reception in the season opener in 2019 against Louisville. Then the next week he goes out and just makes a great one-on-one catch for a 28-yard fade route as an outside guy to set up a score against Georgia at Georgia. And then, of course, he was kind of removed from the lineup because some older players came back and were injured and those type of things. And so... I think he's a guy, Vince, that, you know, he's, he's got speed, he's got quickness, he's got good ball skills. He's just a really talented player that doesn't 
He's always been overlooked because he was in the same class with Brayden Lindsay and Kevin Austin and Micah Jones and guys like that. And he's never really had that chance to shine over a period of time. And I think he's going to to do that. And I think he's a guy that when we get to the end of September, people are going to be like, wow, you know, where, where, where'd that guy come from? So there was a, a, an announcement of the, uh, the Butkus Award watch list for four Notre Dame uh, linebacker commits are on that list. Tell us about them. Of course, we know about Jalen Sneed, stud. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to me, Jalen Sneed's not even the highest-ranked linebacker on my board. You know, that's Josh Burnham, okay. who's a really intriguing player. He actually is also uh, credit to 247 Sports. They also have him ranked as not only the highest-ranked linebacker in the class for Notre Dame, they have him ranked as the highest-ranked recruit, the commit in the class. He's ranked as a top-100 recruit. I graded him out as a top-100 recruit. You know, Jimmy's really interesting. He's about he's almost 6'4". He's about 215 to 220 pounds. He's incredibly athletic, very explosive athlete, and he's a kid that still doesn't really know what he's doing as a linebacker. He just gets by on God-given ability. He plays quarterback on offense, and he's a <laughs> – you know, you think about what you know Tim Tebow was when he wasn't throwing. That's mm-hmm. Josh Burnham at the high school level. You know, wow. it's just snap him the ball and he's going to go do something. He's, <laughs> it's, you know, it's kind of like a, you know, it's a, I, maybe you call him a, a quarterback, but he's more of like you know a single wing quarterback. You know, okay. it's just yeah. it's the easiest way to get our best player the football. <laughs> right. You know? It's just to snap it to him, and that's called to me good coaching. Right. <laughs> right? right. Don't get too cute. Just you got to stud. Get him the ball. Very athletic player. Uh, smart player, you know, pretty good high school basketball. I mean, not a college basketball player, but a guy that's a good high school basketball player because he is long and he's athletic and and just instinctive and all those type of things. And then you put him at a place like Notre Dame with Matt Bayless as the strength coach, and you look at a guy like Marcus Freeman and Nick Lazinski who can teach him the finer points of the position. He's got tremendous, tremendous upside. And he's versatile. He could play Mike. He could play the Will. He could even line up on the edge with his with his explosiveness and his length and, and maybe rush off the edge in certain looks. You know, then you look at a situation where, you know, you have Nolan Ziegler, who's another long athletic player, uh, 6'4", 205 pounds, really, uh, really good lacrosse player, like really good lacrosse player. So he's skilled. Um, uh could he plays kind of safety in high school? I think he could be more of a safety uh, or a rover at the next level. So he's an outside guy, but he also has a really nice frame that you say maybe eventually he grows inside. And uh, you know, again, you're you're hearing a theme, right? Versatile, right? The first three guys, a lot of versatility, and yeah, then you have I've junior heard this Alamaca. word a few times right now. Yeah, <laughs> right. And then you have junior two Alamaca, not a versatile guy. He is a thumper. He is a guy you say, "Where's the middle of your defense?" You put him right there, and you say, "See ball." get ball, you know, and he's just a big <laughs> physical kid, 230 plus pounds, you know, the, the, the really lazy compare, it's not lazy. The really easy comparison is to compare him to Manti Teo. Cause he's got a similar body type. He's very instinctive. He's not quite the athlete Manti was. So it, it's, it's one of those things where I'm like, man, that's a really, I feel like that's a lazy analysis, but then I watch him. I'm like, yeah, but it fits, you know, it makes <laughs> sense because he's so strong and powerful and instinctive. He doesn't have the same ceiling as the other players, but I'd say he probably has the highest floor of all of them. And so it's just a really nice group that complements each other well. And look, they needed numbers in this class and they needed impact talent in this class. And I think they got that in all four of the commitments. They have a linebacker. 
Brian, you know, you know, I'm going back to offense because that's what I like to talk about. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, you, we talked about what what things might look like at the wide receiver position. You know, uh, going in, you know, a month, month and a half from now, I want to ask you about Jack Cohn because I think that. Uh, you know, he falls into that category of at least at the moment where I think people are high on him or people have no idea what to expect or they're just not high on him at all. And so, for example, I, I pulled up, uh, you know, you just Google top quarterbacks of 2021, right? I found a list of top quarterbacks. They've got Jack Cohn in the third tier, 24th overall, right? Going into this season with Notre Dame. Number one, why is he not getting the respect that he deserves nationally? And number two, what do you see Jack Cohn being at Notre Dame? Do you think he's going to be, you know, in the conversation for a top tier quarterback in the country? Or, you know, what 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 are your what are your expectations for Jack Cohn this year at Notre Dame? I think Jack's going to continue to be overlooked by national analysts, and and. I think there's a mistake that a lot of people make in, in scouting and evaluating. And this is, this goes all the way up to people that do this for a living. And, and obviously fans make it as well Is you see a guy do something in an offense or a defense in a scheme. And you say, okay, that's who he is as if Wisconsin did what they did because that's all Jack Cohn could do as opposed to, no, that's what Jack Cohn was allowed to do because that's the offense that Wisconsin runs. And so it's a it's a boring, dull offense that didn't allow him to use what I believe is a really impressive skill set as much as he would have if he would have played, you know, in a system that was more you know pass friendly or you know passer friendly. And so when you look at the kid, I see a guy say, "So how do you how do you properly evaluate Jack Cohn?" Say, "Well, then meet when you play in a system like that, you have to compare him to who else has played in it, right? That's the only comparison that you really have." And then you look at he completed 69.6% of his passes. Well, the only guy to come within five percentage points of that in the 10 years prior to his time there, or I should say nine years, eight years prior to his time there, was this guy named Russell Wilson, right? And you look at his quarterback rating of over 151. Say the only guy to have a higher quarterback rating than that in the nine years before he played was this guy named Russell Wilson, right? That's pretty good pretty good company and his numbers were significantly better in some of those areas that can that you can use to define a guy beyond just raw numbers like passing yards and touchdowns and things like that but I see a kid that's a smart player I see a kid that understands getting the ball out on time I see a guy that understands proper ball placement what that means is Vince as you know as a football coach it's not always the right throw to just you know lead a guy and get that ball right in the middle of his chest or right out in front of him sometimes that could be the worst thing you can do sometimes you want to throw a ball on his back hip because mm-hmm. if you lead him he's going to get crushed or it's going to get pissed off or picked off excuse me <laughs> um and you know then you you get that ball in the back hip and then he can kind of turn and he can catch it and then he gets hit and that's how you complete a pass well jack understands that He's also a he's a really gritty quarterback, and this is something that's important to me as a, as a as a evaluator of quarterbacks is is this guy guy that's willing to take a chance, and to take a chance can mean a couple things. Number one is, hey, that ball's gonna be a little hard to complete, but I'm gonna get it out there. And I'm gonna give my guy a chance to go make that play. Or, okay, in order to to let this route develop and get this ball out, I'm gonna have to take a hit. And so, do I just tuck it and run and you know scramble or check it down, or do I take that hit? And Jack has shown the ability and the willingness to do both of those, to say, hey, look, I'm going to take this chance. Now, he doesn't do it in a way – he only threw five picks, right? So he doesn't do it in a way that's unsound and he's throwing it into triple coverage. And, gee, I thought I could do that. It's more of a, hey, I'm going to give my guy a chance to go make this play. And that's something that I've complained a lot about not seeing in the Notre Dame offense the last couple of years. So I think that is also something that uh, 
uh, I like about him. And, and honestly, Vince, to back to Jim's original question, Jack Cohn's willingness to get the ball out on time in good place, taking chances, it ties into also why I'm so high on this receiving core because I think they're going to have a quarterback that's going to not be afraid mm-hmm. to get him the ball uh, and take what the defense gives him and give him chances to go out and make plays. Brian Driscoll from irishbreakdown.com joining uh, Vince D'Addario and me, Jimmy Rosari, on Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. Let's just get into the big buzzword of the week as far as college football goes and conference realignment. Uh, first of all, do you see what Texas and Oklahoma are doing as being a positive for college football? It's a negative for college football. It's the exact opposite of that. This is a pure move of greed by the program that generates more revenue than any other program in the country. That's all it is. I mean, people say, well, you know, why why can't the Big 12 get more money? You know, they've got this big market in Austin. They've got Oklahoma and all this other kind of things. Well, well it's because if you're, if you're a TV company, do you really want to commit to Texas and the Big 12 when Texas won't even commit to the Big 12? I mean, this yeah. isn't the first time Texas has talked about leaving. They've, they, they flirted with the Pac-10 back in 2010 and 11. They've talked about maybe going independent. They've hinted those rumors with the Longhorn Network. Well, then the Longhorn Network didn't have nearly success that they thought it would. And so now it's about running to the SEC. And then to do it the manner in which they did it, which is behind the scenes for over a year, not letting the Big 12 know what's going on and not giving the Big 12 a chance to to say, hey, look, here's what we can do to make you happy or whatever the case may be. Right. I think it's a pure greed move, and and that's what Texas is all about, right? Texas is all about, I don't care how bad it screws over the other teams in our league or anybody else like that, we're going to do what's best for Texas. And, you know, and, and that's that's so typical of what we see in a lot of college football leadership, where then you, you, know, you look at that at Notre Dame. Notre Dame always gets accused of being greedy because they stayed independent. Now, again, <laughs> Notre Dame's been independent for 100 years, right? Right. And they, when the last time Notre Dame won a title, there was like 30-some independent teams that all left being independent. Notre Dame hasn't done anything different than what they've done for decades, but they're considered greedy when, in fact, Notre Dame leaves money on the table to stay independent. Yeah. Right? And yet Notre Dame gets hammered, and yet the media is just fawning over Texas. Oh, they're going to the SEC. This is such, so great for college football. No, it's not. Mm-mm. This is terrible for college Mm-mm. football. And all the traditions that made college football great – are being destroyed and dismantled in a very short period of time, and I don't think that's good for the game. Yeah, there's, I, I don't see the Big 12 sticking, a, sticking together until 2025, do you? It, it, they're going to have to they're going to have to make some moves, right? And I think there's a couple moves out there that I don't know if they're going to be capable of making, but I'm taking those swings. Number one, you got to bring Houston in, right? Houston's a top 15 market. It's it Houston if Houston brought if you brought Houston into the league, right? And Houston's not necessarily a big time program, but you need a big market. You're not going to replace the Dallas market, right? Yeah. You're, you're just not. But you still have TCU, so you get a little cut of that Dallas market. Plus you have Big 12 fans. I think Houston gives you a big market, but you've got to try to swing for the fences and maybe go try to get a USC. And I don't know if USC would be interested, but I know the Pac-12 is a really weak conference right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I would I would try to take a swing for something like that because you're going to have to show the, your league, your the remaining teams in your league, that, hey, we're not going down without a fight. Because if you don't do something big or at least try to do something big to make it look like you're trying to really keep this thing together, then what's the incentive going to be for – 
you know, for TCU to stay and Iowa State to stay and Kansas to stay when the Big Ten comes calling and the Pac-12 comes calling. They need to be proactive, and if they're going to keep this thing together, they're going to have to figure out a way to get some some teams in there. And, and again, it's not about, okay, go get four good teams. Oh, go get Nebraska and Colorado. Those aren't markets that you need at least one or two big markets yeah. that are going to help you to go get the kind of TV deal that you couldn't got you couldn't get with Texas on there for a, a host of reasons. Yeah, that's why the it's why the Big Ten went to Pennsylvania and is now in right. Maryland and New Jersey. So yeah, right. Does anyone think Rutgers was brought into the Big Ten for their football? <laughs> for their well, their overall athletic success. Right. Or, or Maryland? No, it's the T. It's the New York. It's the and it's the Mar- it's the DC Baltimore DC TV markets. That's all it was about. So, Brian, let's circle this back to Notre Dame. A lot of people out there, they see, you know, the, this move potentially to the, the SEC for Texas and Oklahoma, making that super conference that other conferences are going to have to join. And what does that mean for Notre Dame? And so I guess my question to you is, do you think Notre Dame needs to be proactive and join a conference now? Or do they wait until they get completely shut out of the college football playoff before they join a conference? I don't really think – I wouldn't really – can I go with a, a different option? So you can go with whatever option that. you want, so brother. I, I, don't think, I don't think proactive means leave the, go to a conference now. I think there's a lot of things you can do to be proactive. For example, the last time we went through this super conference push – Jack Swarbrick was very proactive, but that proactiveness was doing things to make sure independence could be kept by Notre Dame. Uh, so I think there's that. There's, they're going to be proactive, but you know maybe it's saying, hey, look, USC, you don't need the Pac-12. You don't need um, you know, the, the Big 12. You know, maybe, maybe you go independent. You know, there's, there's plenty of things that they could do to try to maintain their strength. And, and as you and I have talked about in a recent show, Vince, if Notre Dame was going to join a conference, I wouldn't be opposed to them kind of saying, okay, forget it. We're going to start our own, you know, something mm-hmm. fun like that. Mm. But I, I think the only reason Notre Dame goes independent is at the end of the day, if number one, a school makes them just an, ins- or, I mean, a, a conference makes them just an insane offer that they can't turn down. And, and I don't see that happening. I don't think there, that offer is out there. The other thing is, is that the, this, the realignment that ensues looks to leave them out of being able to schedule. So, for example, I'm going to be very curious to when, we, when the SEC, if that happens soon. So let's just say Texas and Oklahoma pay the $70 million or whatever it is to get out of their TV rights deal and they start in the SEC in 2022, right, which is something that's been rumored. What does the SEC do as far as scheduling for their conference? Do they do they keep it at you know eight? Do they go up to nine? If they keep it at eight or go up to nine, there, there's no problem. There's still three to four non-conference games. You can get teams from that league. If they go up to ten, whether it be pods or whether it's just two divisions of eight, uh, then you start getting a little bit nervous if you're Notre Dame because now teams only have two non-conference games. That's an extra conference game against a strong conference. Are they going to really want to schedule Notre Dame as a non-conference game? Are they going to want to schedule, you know, in-state U, which they've always done, FCS in-state U, um, <laughs> some team that they can go beat by 70. It's basically a bye week. Uh, that's what you're most likely going to see. Now, that's when Notre Dame could say, look, yes, we want to be independent, but we also still want to have a Division One football program. You know, we don't want to be in the, an independent where we're playing Liberty and Army every year, which was the danger that we talked about last year when the the Big Ten or the ACC and the or the Big Ten – uh, first canceled their season, right? The Big 12 mm-hmm. canceled their seasons, and Notre Dame's like left without a bunch of different you know teams to play. 
you know, that schedule, if the ACC doesn't step up, that schedule would have looked a little uh, boring. <laughs> you know, it would have looked a lot like BYU schedule, <laughs> yeah. right? So I think that's the only thing that would force Notre Dame into joining a league is Vince as if it was a situation where they're just like, look, we can't put together a competitive schedule anymore. And I think that yeah. would be the thing that would make force them. Because we've seen, look, if, if Notre Dame's playing a bunch of weak home games and a bunch of you – know, then fans don't pay as much. They don't come as much. And if your schedule's filled with – you know, BYUs and Liberties and Armies and teams like that, just right. top to bottom, that fighting Irish media thing that they're trying to push for to, to eventually be their own TV deal, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, doesn't mean as much because no one's turning on to watch Notre Dame play Rice. That's just the reality of it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a fantastic, you know, kind of extrapolating further on that. You know, NBC doesn't pay for, you know, Notre Dame versus BYU. You know, it's like, right. who cares? You know, we're not, right. have well, that, fun, you know, have fun on USA, that, you know? Yeah, I didn't even think about that. If Notre Dame is left in the dark, then not yeah. only does it hurt Notre Dame's brand and, and what they're trying to build their own network, but what's the enticement for NBC to re-up in 2025? That's a great point. I, I didn't even go that far with it, but that only <laughs> adds to, to the fact that the, the scheduling piece is going to truly be what, what forces Notre Dame to leak. It's not going to be because of money, in my opinion. Okay. All right. Uh, irishbreakdown.com lots of good stuff uh, up there from uh, from Brian Driscoll tell us about some of it well you know I mean it's one of those weird things where you're asking me to like pump up my own stuff like well this great piece <laughs> that I did was just phenomenal uh, we are we are this going should through win a, an award <laughs> we are going through a series right now and if I do say so myself they're tremendous a countdown to kickoff series where each day I kind of preview a different position group. So today I did receivers, yesterday I did running backs. I've already done quarterbacks and defensive ends where I just look at the depth chart and what are some of the storylines, you know. So when I look at the receiving class, it's, you know, it's looking at Avery Davis. Can he become a go-to receiver this year? Uh, will the 2018 class step up, which means, you know, Kevin Austin and Braden Lindsey being healthy? Uh, you know, will, will Lawrence Keyes be able to kind of have a breakout season? What role will the freshman play? So just go through that and then – you know, five key questions about the receivers, and then sort of a prediction of if the receiving core plays to its potential, it'll look like this. So I do that with each position group. Tomorrow I'm going to talk about tight ends. Like I said, today I did receivers, so that's certainly something interesting to talk look look at. And then, of course, I'm going to start a, a series on this opponent, so I'm going to kind of rank the schedule, and you know, just 1 to 12, and then kind of take a peek at each team, and then do some fun stuff like the all-opponent team and who are the best backfields that they're going to face, who are the best offensive lines are going to face, things like that. So, Because, gosh, I mean, we're a week and a half, two weeks away mm. from fall camp, and, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're just a, a month and a little over from uh, kicking off against Florida State. So, I mean, it's it's this recruiting stuff has kind of occupied us all summer and kept us busy, but now it's time to really start, uh, like, wow, the season's almost here. It's time to get <laughs> rocking and rolling on those previews. Well, there, there's another thing on irishbreakdown.com that I want to plug, too, uh, Brian. <laughs> That five-part series on the Notre Notre Dame yeah. Big Ten relationship. Yeah, that, that was really well done. It is a really really good yeah. read, and it really gives some insight and some history to that relationship. And I would I would and why I that never one. ever ever <laughs> want to see Notre Dame yes. join the Big Ten. Yes, it is. Like, it, I'd rather them go it. FCS than right. join the Big Ten. <laughs> it is worth a read. I'm telling you, everybody, go out. Check out IrishBreakdown.com. Check out that series on Notre Dame and the Big Ten. It It is eye-opening because there's a lot of stuff I didn't know in there. It's, it's good. If Notre Dame went FCS, though, maybe they could get a regular season game against Alabama. 
True. <laughs> True. Florida would definitely be willing to play him at that point in time. Right. They'd definitely be willing to play Florida. No question. That's uh-huh. awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> Brian Driscoll from IrishBreakdown.com. Uh, thank you, as always, for uh, for enlightening us on all things Notre Dame and, uh, and college football, especially with, uh, with realignment going on right now. Thank you, sir. Appreciate y'all having me on. Have a great day. Uh, you too. Uh, coming up in about 10 minutes, got a Sports Center update. Uh, Going to take a little look at some baseball coming up as far as the, uh, the near future goes uh, right here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.